on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. If you've lost that passion, go back to why you started in those seeds and find that passion again, because that's where you have to yeah. go from your heart and your it has to follow what you think is important. Go back to your values. Because yeah. again, hopefully you didn't do this just to make a, a crap ton of money. You did it because, hey, I want to help people. I want to help right. this person do this. I want to help these people around me go up and learn more development you know, skills and things like that. So go back to that part and then say, is this next step going to get me there? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. Hey, what's up everybody? Chaz Wolf gathering the kings. We've got Henry Kurkowski on the show today and he literally talks about how he started in the wireless industry 20 years ago when wi- before Wi-Fi even started and um, starting a business in that environment. And really the, the gumption that he got to do that all stemmed from winning some money on freaking Wheel of Fortune. You guys are going to love this pod. Jump in right now with your pen and paper. Take some notes because he's got some good stuff here for you coming right at you. All right. What's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf gathering the kings. We've got Henry. Henry, uh, say your last name for me. Welcome to the stage. Hey, thank you. It's Kirkowski. It's Kirkowski. Like, yeah. Yes. Think of Captain Kirk riding a cow that's on skis. Bro, if you just look at the name, I, I it says Kirkowski. I, I yeah. just should have just said it, you know? Dude, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, can't wait to have this conversation with you. You're going to bring so much value here today um, to these folks listening. But tell us what kind of business you have, and let's get started with that. Um, well, right now I'm, I'm I'm managing several businesses, but my main gig is uh, e wireless and one Wi-Fi. Uh, we started e wireless about 20 years ago when uh, Wi-Fi was just getting started. It was back then there was no smartphones. There, laptops didn't even have Wi-Fi. You needed to slap a card in the side of your wife into the side of your laptop to get right. Wi-Fi, and right. Starbucks didn't have it. Um, but we started out uh, e-wireless as a way that problem solving. That's been my whole reason for being has been problem solving. And back then, the problem was uh, most places DSL was just starting to roll out to places in tier two cities like Fort Lauderdale and Indianapolis. And I was going back and forth between the two cities. And, um, you know, so he was either dial up or a T1 line. And most small businesses, you know, they couldn't afford T1 lines, so they were yeah. you know, doing dial-up. And so we came up with the <laughs> business All I can model. think about is that terrible sound. Oh, man, I know, right? I mean, that's the stuff of horror movies. Yeah, uh, That's screeching. But, uh, you know, we created it to bring in a T1 line into a commercial property, break it up wirelessly so we could work with the property management groups and say, make their places more rentable. Because yeah. then they could say, hey, listen, we got high-speed internet at, in all our locations. And, you know, give them a, a differentiator for their property on other properties. Yeah, um, that's so, awesome, man. Yeah. Dude, you bring so much experience um, into the digital space uh, because of that. But uh, you've got your hand in a couple of other things to give us an idea of what's that. What, what, what else do you have going on? 
Oh, well, we also, um, we, we're uh, working on an online um, gift store. And what we're doing is we're, ta- we're reimagining antiques. And what we're doing is putting the symbolism behind them. That, that store is called Pimbleberry. And uh, we, we give the history of it, the symbol, why you want to give this. And it's kind of a new way to reuse, re-up, re-create yeah. things. So we find really hard to find objects and create a, a, a story on why this would make a great gift for this kind of a person. Sure. Um, and like I said, it's not something you could get at, you know, online from many you know, other places. We, we have paintings right. that have been lost in history that we've refound. Uh, they, they're different things. So we we know all the history. So they're all from different time periods from all around the world. And uh, it's we we're creating a new gift giving experience because everything that we give is comes with handwritten notes. They're wrapped beautifully. So even if you're buying yourself a gift, it's right. something special for you when you get the box. Dude, that's incredible. I I love the uniqueness of that. Um, being an edible arrangements franchisee, gifts are are in my wheelhouse, but, but for a totally different reason. Um, so I love, I love that, uh, that you've thought about it. And that's really probably the differentiator is that, that you've thought about it. <laughs> it's yeah, not just yeah. like, a, Oh, by the way, let me send something. It's no, like I've got this specific person and they like these specific things or whatever. So I think that's really cool. Um, obviously with the, with the wireless stuff, we're, we're going to have so much to talk about. I can't, I can't wait, but you, you have, um, you have recently the last couple of years, especially with COVID you've written a book, Tell us about what, what's the book name and, and tell us uh, why you create, why, why, we, why you wrote this book. Yeah, it's uh, the title is Remote Work Technology, Keeping Your Small Business Thriving from Anywhere. It's published by Wiley. And, you know, we started our company, eWireless, to be fully remote 20 years ago. Um, right. And we got hooked on it being distributed, having, you know, our teams are in uh, anywhere from New York to Iowa to Orlando. And our developers are all over the world. And so we've been, I've been working remotely for 20 years. Um, yeah. When COVID hit and all these small businesses shut down, there was a lot of panic there. You know, you saw on the news, all these people struggling with Zoom fatigue, burnout, isolation. Right. And I was like, man, if I had a better platform, I could, you know, help some of these people out. And I, I wrote a couple of articles in Forbes about it, but um, I was approached by Wiley Publishing and, you know, I pitched them the idea for the book and it was, you know, perfect storm. So it was great timing. I interviewed people, uh, business leaders across the nation during the shutdown, just a couple months into the shutdown. And they were telling me, you know, all the things that they were going through um, and think, you know, things that they regretted, things that yeah. they would have done differently. Um, you know, yeah. when when they went remote, one of the first things they did was, hey, you know, nose to the grindstone until we push through this crisis. Right. And they were, you know, everybody was, you know, on board. Like, with all, that, like but, scared, scared to lose production, right? Exactly, exactly. Because they, they don't know, you know, there are a lot of unknowns. And you know, it's human reaction when, you know, you're hit with a crisis and you don't know you, what's going on. You try and gather as much information, work as hard as you can, push through it. They didn't realize that what that was doing was actually creating burnout, creating feelings of isolation. And, you know, they, they lost people during that shift because yeah. of the way that they were managing their people. And unanimously, everyone said, I said, what would you do different? They said, I would have been leading with more empathy. Mm. I would have taken notice of what my people were, were how my people were struggling. They said, sure. you know, they had people that, you know, are normally very well kept, you know, you know, look good, wear new, you know, wearing fresh clothes every day. Then they suddenly saw them, you know, there was a mess in their background. 
they weren't combing their hair. They were wearing the same clothes they were yesterday. You know, those are all now we realize those are all signs of people struggling, you know, with yeah. some, you know, something, burnout, things like that. And they weren't catching it because they were in such a control the crisis mode that they yeah. weren't keeping an eye on their own people. They were, you know, so now it's the instead of client first, it's employee first. Because, you know, at the end of the day, your employees are your brand ambassadors. Right. If they're miserable for whatever reason, your customers are going to be miserable. Totally. Yep. So, yeah, and, you can tell you can tell when you walk into a restaurant or or call a customer service a department or, or whatever and, and get that experience of someone who's experiencing burnout or they hate their job or whatever. So you're, you're 100 percent right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I talk about it in the book and I make it, you know, it, by company culture, like you, you, a lot of people don't know what a good company culture is, but you recognize a bad one right away. Cause like we've right. all seen you know, like a, a TV trope or a movie trope where you, somebody walks into a supermarket and it's nearly empty. There's a manager, you know, in the glass booth, you know, reading the newspaper. There's a cashier <laughs> who's barely paying attention to the customer. There's right. a stock boy with earphones in, you right. know, lazily putting crap up on the shelves. And, you know, though, that's a sign of a bad company culture. The people are disconnected. They're not working as a team. It's a purely transactional relationship. They're right. there for X amount of hours to get X amount of dollars. dollars. And that's they right. don't yep. care about the customers or the, or the place of business. Yeah, yeah. Which is obviously uh, the end result is is not good. And so you've created this book, and I know that you've you've worked with some some pretty um, high level folks in regard to this this topic. And so I'm I'm anxious to get into some of this stuff here with you as far as how you've been doing it in your own business. Um, to kind of ask you a question that I always like to ask everybody near the beginning of the show, it's because at this level you've done quite a bit, right? Like you managing multiple businesses, you've had this one business for twenty plus years. You know, you didn't create wireless, but man, you were right there. <laughs> the, yeah. way that, the way that we've talked about it off air is just that, man, wireless was created and then boom, you guys took it to market basically in different ways. And so what keeps you pushing at this level? 20 years into this, this one business, you got all these other things we've talked about going on, the book, all this interest that you got. You got a lot of energy even now today talking on the podcast, but like, but why? What keeps you moving and focused? You know, it's... I've, I've had to do because of some life because of life. I've had to have that kind of reflection the past two years. Right. Haven't we all? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And uh, it's, it's always have a higher purpose. Like, you know, I don't do anything for me, you know, even in my volunteer work um, and the the groups that I work with, it's for a higher purpose to, to get to a greater goal. And it's about helping people. Like even, even with, you know, COVID, the shutdowns, our customers, you know, there a lot of them are restaurateurs. Right. We, a lot of times, we, we were just listening to people and some of them were crying on the phone. Hey, I might have to take, you know, you know close up. I might have to fire right. some people, let, let people go. Yeah. And that those are the thing, you know, and so I'm, I feel like I'm here to help people along their journey to their success. You know, I've, I've done that for, a matter of fact, you know, I've even... Uh, taken a number of people in the past 10 years into my home that were homeless or didn't have a place to go and help them, paid for classes for them, bought them the right clothes so they can get job interviews, drove them back and forth so they can get a car. It's about helping other people go up. So it's not about if it was trying to make me successful, I wouldn't be doing it. Right. Uh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the drive for it, but I but I know I'm working towards a higher purpose and helping others become better because I know that 
every person is like a universe on into themselves, they're going to touch a bunch of other lives and help those lives get better. Yeah, the now, ripple effect is huge. Yeah, it's it, you know, so I keep my little corner of the world a little better every day, and that's what I work on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that perspective is 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 pure, and and I think everybody you know naturally agrees with that. Do you think that that has been something that you've grown in over the years, or has that always been close to your heart of the greater purpose, helping others, you know, that type of thing? I think it's always been part. It's something I've grown in. I think I think it was always a part of me, but I didn't recognize it for what it was till I got more mature. I mean, now I think I'm I think I'm 52 now. And uh, yeah, I, I forget. Time's irrelevant to me. Yeah, yeah, right. um, it's Wednesday. If you didn't know, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, when I was younger, I was like, well, "What's driving?" Because like, I would be even when I was in my twenties trying to pay for college. I would get up. I would uh, go work at a deli from uh, in New York uh, from five a.m. helping make sandwiches and stuff like that for the for the worker crews. Then go to class at ten o'clock then work as a cashier after school. You know, so I'm con- I, I've always been a hard worker. It's drilled into me. My father, uh, my, I got, come from a military fa- family. Okay, my father yeah. is first-generation Polish-American. His oh, parents wow. were farmers. My mom came from the Philippines. Um, so, I mean, it's hard work and being honest w- with your work and doing yeah. the right thing for those around you was like ingrained into my psyche since, since, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, you can see that obviously it means a lot to you. I'm, I'm, I'm just so intrigued by the, the growth of someone's perspective as it changes over time. And I love how you even said that, um, you know, maybe you had it in you the whole time, but that it, it was something that grew. And so along the way, was that because, because you were able to grow a business and it, and it gave you more time and resource that you were able to then kind of like overflow the cup to others? Or was it a mindset shift that happened along the way? Like, what do you think that was the maturity point for you in that? I think it was a mind shift along the way and also having a diversity of people I was surrounded by. So, you know, working um, as a volunteer in the arts in Indianapolis and other uh, nonprofit organizations, I, because of my success in business, I was able to sit on boards and committees for some large organizations. And I'm sitting there next to the chief medical officer of Eli Lilly. I'm sitting there with the uh, with the uh, senior partners of certain law firms and things like that. And I'm thinking, yeah. hey, I'm just this poor kid from Long Island, you know, right. and I'm sitting next to because I, I don't have a college education. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't swing it. Um, you know, so everything I've learned is self-taught. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and that can be intimidating when you are sitting next to people who are graduated from Harvard Business School, things like right. that, you right. know, uh, who have big degrees. But, you know, I learned that, you know, we're all equal, you know, because we're all here working for this cause together, standing in the trenches side by side. Yeah. And it didn't yeah. matter, you know. So, and, you know, then I realized that they don't see me the way I kind of see myself as, you know, it's, yep. you know, as just this uneducated person. Right. You right. know, so yeah, it's, you, you were you're a little bit more valuable in their eyes. That's why you were sitting at the table. Right. And then that made me realize, you know, more of my self-worth and value that I bring because I'm constantly thinking, oh, well, that was lucky it happened. Then I'm reminded by something. No, don't you remember you did this right. two months ago to set this up in motion right. and have this this exact result come out? Yeah, exactly. I think that's so good. 
I think that you're, I mean, we're, we're just getting into some really good stuff here. I think that the listener who's paying attention right now, what they're hearing you say is that first off, you have first generation parents uh, from, from immigrant parents. And so you have, you have a perspective of nothing, like literally nothing. And then on top of that, you have then been able to grow into this, what you call now this ability to uh, have a higher purpose and, and press in to the help of others. But along the way, I'm hearing you say that like it, it wasn't always like that. The self-worth of just thinking about yourself and and not even maybe, you know, chalking yourself up to the same standard that everybody else was around you. But but because you surrounded yourself, it was able to bring yourself to a higher thinking, really. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's also, you know, I think being around different people, like I said, I mean, I attended bar and waited tables uh, for 15 years in New York and South Florida. So even then, you know, I was... I was around, and it was a lot of, it was in fine dining restaurants and things like that. So I was around yeah. people who were, you know, important business people, celebrities, you know, local politicians, things like that. So I was always felt comfortable in those, in those spaces, but I never thought of myself yeah. uh, being at, at that level. And matter of fact, I, I, I kind of joke now, because like, you know, when I was single in Fort Lauderdale, I'd meet somebody nice and they'd ask what I do for a living. Like, oh, I, I don't date waiters. I don't date bartenders. Okay, you know, so it's like don't attach yourself work to what you do because it's really how you impact people is yeah. where your your value lies. Totally, yeah, and I think that you can break that all the way down to the employee level of your value. Then obviously is based on the impact. Like it's they're 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 attached. The impact that you bring is the value, right. which then obviously it all ties back to experience and and probably all the things you talk about in your book, but. Let's um let's let's jump into your entrepreneur journey here when you started your company or maybe it was before that. I want to know where did business start for you? Was it something that how you grew up with your parents or was it just you just decided to start this wireless business? Like tell us about the beginning. Well, um so kind of with my parents because you know, it's weird if you didn't have two jobs you were considered lazy. I, I know it's, it's weird. Oh, I know yeah, that. I know that feeling. Single mom uh, family over here. <laughs> oh yeah. So I mean, so from that, but yo, know, my my so you know, even have my own paper route as a kid, you know, okay. you worked completely on tips. So the nicer I was, the better my tips. The more more efficient I was, the better my tips. Building a relationship with Ooh, my customers, customers. Yeah. the better the tips. And then that, that went on to you know waiting tables and bartending. But I think my real big experience of being an entrepreneur was I was working for a group of people on Long Island that owned uh, seven restaurants, and some of them were also nightclubs at night. And they had one that wasn't really doing well. I was like, hey, I got an idea for a nightclub. Let me take this over on just Sunday nights. And they did. They put some money behind it, and they they, they paid for promotional materials. And I ended up having, um, the back of the day, it was if you made $12 a head or $15 a head per person coming through the door, you were doing great. I was doing $22, $23, $24 a head. So they saw the value. And yeah. then, it, and I was able to even, um, they gave it to me for the rest of the week uh, to, to run. They uh, promoted it through um, some of their other nightclubs too and brought in acts. I had RuPaul when she just, Wow. Started out having her thing. I had her at the club. Place was packed. People came from Brooklyn uh, and the Bronx back, you know, down to Long Island to the club to come see her and see what we were doing. So I think that was, That's you cool. know, one of my first real entrepreneurship, and it taught me about marketing, right? You know, P PR uh, things like that. You know, and and how to deal with vendors and and everything. So you know, that was my first real foray into entrepreneurship. 
Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, I, I equate that to sales in my, in, like in my, my upbringing, right? Like multiple jobs. Yeah, that's fine. But I would have been stuck there doing the multiple job thing if I didn't think about sales or then eventually opening up businesses. But um, that, that track record that you're talking about, you get to learn the kind of like the pieces along the way. And then you realize later you just put them all together and, and you run a business, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So very but, cool. Uh, and then, yeah. And then like I said, from there, I went to, to Fort Lauderdale, um, was waiting tables and bartending for a while. Then I, you know, I had the idea of flipping houses. So I wanted to get my mortgage broker's license. Um, but you know, I was so stuck in that whole take home a couple of hundred bucks every night, you know, that's so addictive. Sure. You know, in that thing. And luckily, I got on the wheel of fortune and won $16,000. What? So I, I was, yeah. So I was able <laughs> to get a nesting. I know. I, I've done crap Hold that up. I just fell into. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, and it, it came at like just the right time. And, you know, my friend Shannon is still pissed at me because I was just there to stand in line with her. For, wow. for the thing. And I was like hung over from the night before and I'm sitting in this hot sun waiting to get in this thing. And they just happened to call my name. Um, and then I ended up getting, getting on the show on the show and made $16,000 from the show. Yeah. And that gave me a nest egg to go the confidence to say, Hey, listen, I can quit waiting tables, uh, right. quit bartending, got my mortgage broker's license. And then one of my, and again, people in networking, one of my regular customers, had a commercial, I was going to do residential. He had a commercial finance place right across the street and said, I, I got, I heard that you're going to get your, your mortgage broker's license. And like, Hey, where are you going to hang your license? Like, I don't know. I haven't thought that far yet. It's like, come hang, hang it in my place. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll so, and then he took me under his wing and it was a small boutique shop, but we were doing big loans. We were only five of us. And that, that made me fall in love with the idea of a, a more boutique company. Yeah, but we were yeah. doing $300 million loans. He was he had gotten in with uh, different uh, Indian tri Native American tribes that were putting up their casinos and they were looking for funding. So he was flying all over right. the country, putting to get packaging together $150 million loans, $300 million loans. So and it taught me a lot. I was in charge of everything under $5 million. Uh, so I was staying in town, taking care of all like uh, all, all our customers in town while they were flying around the country. And so it gave me you know, independence. It gave yeah. me a lot of experience, met a lot of people. Um, so it's awesome. just like, you, you never know where your journey is going to take you. And hell, if you can get on the wheel of fortune, do it. You know, <laughs> that's, my, that's my lesson and your, your takeaway from that. I was going to say, I think the takeaway that we, we, we end the show right now and we say, look, forget everything, close the doors <laughs> to all businesses, go play wheel of fortune. <laughs> yes. Wow, what a, what a fitting name too! It sounds like it was just like a, it was like a catalyst uh, in that moment, uh, like you said, to free you. And so there's there's mindset there that I want to pull out for the listener because as funny as that all is, because it really it really is pretty comical actually. But the mindset that you described of the freedom you had in that moment of when you had the sixteen thousand sixteen thousand dollars on a lot of money, it wasn't really that much money even back then. Yeah. But what it did is it freed you from the addiction that like you said of a hundred, couple hundred bucks a night. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get it on the 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 job, and it and it frees you to think about something bigger, your future a little bit. And so, how has that played into running your 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 wireless business for twenty years now? That same mindset of being able to think ahead or think forward because you've been able to free up your time because of hiring a team or growing your sales. And so now you have more resource, kind of like with the Wheel of Fortune. Like, is it the same mindset that's helped you in business too? And if so, how? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because you know, it's, it is about freedom. Because I, I feel success is, is is the definition of success for me is freedom, being yeah. able to do what you love doing, being able to do it when you want to do it. You know, that that's what's important to me, and that's how you know I thinking in those steps ahead and, and, and strategizing. That's why we made the company remote first, so we could have the freedom to go back and forth to Key West or you know see my mom in California, things like that. Um, yeah. And also, it helped be, give other you know the people who are working with me freedom, uh, you know, because I, I I consider everybody a coworker. Uh, right. So and and I want them to be happy too because I think that's how you you know that's the best metric of of how you well you're doing is satisfaction, not just customer satisfaction, but satisfaction of the people around you. Yeah. Um, because you know I said you don't want I don't want anybody to be miserable. Right. You know, not a customer, not you know, a coworker, nobody you know, Mike or me. You know, so oh, I yeah. think yeah, exactly. that's where it goes to is to have that level of freedom and how do you accomplish that level of freedom. Right. And how do you keep everybody satisfied and, and even thriving? Not, not, not just, you know, you shouldn't just be satisfied. You should be thriving. You, just, uh, you know, go the for thriving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you, so, you know, for the guy or gal listening right now, they're at the six figure mark, most likely. They're not, they're not quite at that million dollars in revenue or more. And so they might be wearing a lot of hats, let's say, right? And, and maybe they're not as satisfied <laughs> um, or, or um, thriving as maybe they, they would like. You know, the business is maybe growing a little bit, but they're overwhelmed, they're stressed, they know they need to hire, but they're scared. Like all of these things that, that what we're talking about is going to free them, right? So if they hire some people, their, their, their calendar is going to be free. If they, they hire a sales guy, they're going to have more revenue, which is going to then produce more freedom in the business financially. Like, but all these things are like, they're strapped right here, right? Like right here in the right now. Right. And so they want the freedom that you're talking about, but how did, how did you get over that hump of whether it be investing or uh, pouring into your team or even hiring a team member to begin with? Like, you understand what I'm saying? The, 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 the yeah, end yeah. point. Well, I think at you know at the end of the day you have to have a talk with yourself. If you if you feel it, you're at that place where you know you're at a precipice and you can either keep you know keep standing there at this exact plate at this same space, or you feel like hey I can jump and go to or you know you, you don't know if you're going to soar. You know, go back to why you started it all. Hopefully, you didn't start it to just make a lot of money because that's you're always right. chasing a buck. Then you're never going to be satisfied. You know, somebody who opens a, a restaurant or a, a, a gift shop or or what have you, they do it because I want to have the best coffee shop in town. I want to be be uh, a place where people can gather, where families can, you know, people after school can come come here. That's why you you did it. You know, go back to why you started what you were starting and follow that passion. Find if you've lost that passion, go back to why you started in those seeds and find that passion again because that's where you have to yeah. go from your heart and your it has to follow what you think is important. Go back to your values because again, yeah. hopefully you didn't do this just to make a, a crap ton of money. You did it because hey, I want to help people. I want to help right. this person do this. I want to help these people around me go up and learn more development you know, skills and things like that. So go back to that part and then say, is this next step going to get me there? Right. Get me finally to where I want to be and, 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 and see if that answer is yes or no. And that's how you do it. Yeah. I, I love the, I love the process that you broke down there. And I would even say to stretch or to stretch your answer a little bit, even, even if they are motivated by money and yeah. they want to be rich or whatever, like, okay. So even that though, why? Like, why do you want to be rich? And it's, exactly. and it's usually tied to the freedom that that money gives you or the decisions or the that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, whatever that looks like. But 
to your point, it's okay, let me remind myself why I got into this pickle. Like I started this business because I didn't want to work for somebody else, or I wanted to make more money, or I wanted to take care of my family, or I wanted to help people, whatever. And I think that that you're right. It's a little cliche for guys like you and I to say it, but but we've been there. We've been in those moments, just like these guys that are listening. And and we've had to remind ourselves of like, I'm doing this because of X. And then and then you 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 renew and you and you restart it again, or you you press in again, right? Right, right. Because it's funny. It reminded me of this conversation I had with one of my mentors who worked at the uh, the commercial financing. Uh, company, but he was in the real estate side, not the the, the finance side. And I said to him something. And he was in a bad, he was in a pissy mood. And I said something. Well, Joe, you know that was my time too. And he's like, "Hey, your time is not as valuable as my time." And I was like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" He's like, "I make way more money." I'm like, yeah, Joe, I know you, you got millions of dollars in the bank, and you're yeah. you're doing this to get millions up. But like, what are you doing with that money? Like, you're not happy. Right. I mean, you got a great looking girlfriend, but you're, you're you've been dating her for three years. You're not getting married, you know, and like, well, what what are you working? What are you doing? For? <laughs> what, what, what are you working towards? What, what's what's the end goal? What are you doing with it? Because he's not volunteering. He's not donating money to, to charities or places around them. He's not creating, fun, you know, college funds for kids or nothing like that. So what yeah. are you doing? You're just hoarding a bunch of money. Like for, for what? Why? You know, why? Right. What, what, what drives you? That and, and they, right that, there, that made him pause because. He was just working to work because he had nothing else in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. Um, yeah. But but the question that you're asking him is the question that we all should be asking ourselves and not just once, like repeatedly. Right. And it changes. The why changes over the course of time. And um, and, and 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 it has to change over the course of time because <laughs> the difficulty of business or the difficulty of life. We were just talking about. You know, you're you're thinking about doing an addition. I just got out of a home build. Like the fact that costs have gone up and like things are going to come and go. Difficult, smooth, easy. And and we're going to need those moments to be able to, okay, I'm doing this because, or why am I even doing that? You know, sometimes you got to drill it down a little further even. So I'm really curious. I want to get into uh, some decisions here. I'm, I'm big on decision-making and I'm, I'm, I'm big on the where we are today is based on decisions we've made, good and bad. And so tell me, Henry, a, a good decision that you made along the way in business that would be applicable for the six-figure owner listening today is taking notes and he's just trying to get a nugget from you. What what do you got as far as a good decision? Oh man, and it's 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 almost it's been said over and over again. But if somebody asks if you could do something and you're not sure. And it's a great opportunity. Say yes and figure it out. Because yeah. uh, we did that. We got um, a large franchise, national franchise, restaurant franchise. I'm not going to say the name. And uh, we were rolling out Wi-Fi for them. A new senior VP decided that he wanted to mix it up at his company. And instead of allowing us to manage the rollout, he wanted all the different franchisees. And this is like 12,000 locations. He wanted all the franchisees to make the order on their own and decide when they wanted to get it done. But he wanted to make sure it was fully complete. The project was done by November. Yeah. And I'm like, he wanted his cake no, and eat it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, and I was like, okay. And there were, there was no, we, I went into detail and I talk about this in the book, went into detail about how, why that's a bad decision. You know, they're all going to procrastinate until they, the absolute last minute, which they yeah. all did. Um, and 
that, uh, you know, having 12,000 decision makers is a really bad idea when you're trying to get one project done. Um, so, but, you know, we said, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> and we, we figured it the hell out because yeah. we weren't set up that way. So we had to create an online system where they can order through there for the, cause usually we would say, Hey, listen, we're going to do this section of the country. This, and we do, cause we right. work with the broadband providers too. I, uh, you know, make sure that all the equipment's already set up before that. And, you know, they wanted them to just have the franchisees decide whenever they wanted, as long as it was all done by November. And that was just three months. I'm like, man, that's that's going to be tough. But they're all going to wait for yeah. the last two 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 weeks. <laughs> yeah, we said we we could do it, and uh, we we figured it out. We we ended up figuring it out. Yeah, I mean the the lesson there that you're sharing is is we, first off, we're never going to always have it figured out, right? So whether it's a client request or just something new, like it's all right, just just try it, see what happens. Yeah. Um, and because and you don't know, worst case scenario, it wouldn't have worked. And but then you would you would have learned, right? And and I bet you did learn a ton through that process. Oh, man, <laughs> did we? Yeah. Yeah, because we we all we made in that process, we made a couple of bad decisions. Um, and uh we hired a software company uh to create a platform for us that we could, you know, allow 12,000 locations to order, get it built because this is a monthly service thing, figure yeah. out how to build them. You know, so we had to create all new things, and the software company that we hired did not live up to their promises. And so, mm. you know, halfway into this, we're like, we are jamming up here. You know, we're, we're our accounting system's getting jammed up. Everything, you know, everything's yeah. going wrong. You know, the customers never saw this, right? Uh, you know, so we're we're just kind but of. But it was like, a heyday um, on your end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the duck that you know you see you on, on the river. You never see how fast Peter paddling <laughs> underneath. You know, he looks calm and smooth. You know, so we uh, rounded uh, through, but. You know that we had to switch software vendors halfway through and get a get a platform that was better, which means we also had to take all the data from the customers that had already ordered and switch it to this new system. So, you know, that was a bad decision by picking a a, a vendor that we didn't fully vet. Ah, uh, to make okay. sure so that's, that that's they, the that's the learning. Yeah, because I mean, they they gave us a we had a fear of missing out. We allowed that to take over control. There was a, the time crunch. Right. Uh, that we were having, so all those things came to create a bad decision. Yeah, um, would, but, would you say that's that's somewhat typical of just ge- bad decisions in general, or, or like there's external factors pushing, speeding it up, or anything yeah. like that? I think you make bad decisions because of a of a crisis of time. You know, a pov- sure. you feel that poverty of time happening, yeah. and 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 you know the walls closing in. So you're like, screw it, okay, let's go. You know, right. and you know that—that's the main thing. So, if, if it's always good when somebody who's very heavily emotionally invested in an outcome to allow somebody else who is not to take right. a fresh look and yep. say that's a bad decision, you know, or that's a great decision, or like if you do this, watch out for this. So, yep. somebody who is, doesn't have that crisis of time, somebody who's not so emotionally involved in the right. outcome, let them come in and take a look. Yeah, I love that. Um, one of my questions that sometimes I like to ask is a, a process, and you kind of just gave it to us, which is great. So I want to recap it real quick. But it, it, number one, your bad decision was uh, vetting vendors, and so I think that 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 shouldn't be uh, just quickly overgone because you're right. Sometimes we can make an emotional decision. In fact, most of our decisions are emotional based. But if we can slow down the process just a little bit and put some logic to it, especially with a vendor that you're going to be working with for a long term, and then even more so to your point. If it's a vendor that's going to help you fulfill something for a client, 
even more of a reason to just spend the extra time and not let, like you said, the the fear of missing out or the urgency of the moment, uh, um, you know, overtake. But what you said there is on the process of having other people take a look at it. I love that because I do that same thing. Um, but at the same time too, I would say that, or maybe you can agree or tell me your history, but there are times where I've shared with someone who I know is not in the weeds, right? And I, and I, and I want their perspective because they're out of the weeds or out of the forest, if you will. But because we're so emotionally attached to what, what they were doing, well, really all we're looking for is validation. We want them to agree with us. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. if they disagree, now it's like, man, I didn't want your opinion anyway, right? Like, I don't always feel that way, but I, I have experienced that. And I think that a lot of folks get caught up in their decisions because of this, because they were really just looking for validation. And they weren't really actually open-minded to a difference of opinion. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And well, and that's the thing. Like I, I've asked people for advice before that I finally decided, no, I don't think that's the right way to go. And they're like, yeah, well, okay. why do you bother me if you're going to ask me for advice and not take it? So well, they, they, you know, they get offended by that. But you know, at the end of the day, yeah, still your decision. I'm, I'm, I'm the captain of the ship. I have to yes. make the, the final decision. So I, I have so. to weigh, because I'm one of the few people who have the full perspective of everything that's going on. Yeah. What's coming down the pike. So at the end of the totally. day, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to, you know, because I, I never want to be in a room surrounded by yes men. I want to be in a room where people are 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 happy to disagree with me and yep. feel safe disagreeing with me. Yep. And you know, so I can I can pull the best information from different perspectives. That's why diversity uh, in a, in a work in any workplace is vitally important because these people are some of the people I work with. You know, they're here from Indianapolis. I'm from Long Island. There are people here from rural areas, you know, and all and they all bring different perspectives to the table from their past, their experiences. Yep. And it's a wealth of knowledge it and is. wisdom because, you know, that that another thing, you know, working in Fort Lauderdale uh, and the bar and restaurant industry, I work with people from Ireland, Hungary, Ukraine, mm-hmm. like all oh, yeah. over the world and getting that, those, that perspective and ideas of how people think because I, it doesn't matter to me so much what your opinion is. I want to know how you arrived at that conclusion because that tells me your thought process. And that's really the vital thing because at the end of the day, people make, like you said, people make decisions based on emotions. Like, well, what triggered that emotional reaction? Right, right. You know, Where did it come from? Get to the root, get to the root thought that, that, caught, that spurred that action. Yep, exactly. I love it. You're giving it so much. I hope the, the listener's taking notes here. Um, the, the, um, the, the process that you described and, and then we'll move on here, but I just, I just think it's so important, especially for the guy who's trying to get to the seven figure mark. First off decisions are so big. Um, but I loved how you said like, for, you have to be open-minded to other people, but you also have to be closed-minded to know that like, look, at the end of the day, it's your business. It's your ship. You're the captain, like you said. And so you can't be so swayed or so blown in the wind um, by people around you. And like you said, you might have a guy that says, well, why'd you ask for advice? It's like, well, no, no, I wasn't asking for you to give me an answer. I wanted your opinion because I genuinely care about it. That is, I still have to make the decision though for, for what it is that what's going on. So I think that that's huge. I wanted to actually add an extra point to that to the listener here. Um, that, that ability that you have as a business owner to be able to get key people around you. I mean, that's in essence why I created Gathering Kings, right? Is to get key people around you where they, you you value their opinion. It may or may not be the right answer for you, but you're at least getting sounding board 
advice around you. And then, and then you have to go make the final decision. So such great value. Thank you so much. Um, okay. So speed round, you ready? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to go fast. Um, one word answers if possible, but I might dig in for more. So first question is this, if you could only pick one metric in, in your businesses that you would track forever and ever, and you couldn't track anything else, what would that one metric be? Satisfaction. Okay. And satisfaction of both the customers and the, the people I work with. Yep. I, I, I figured you were going to go there, but that's great. I wanted you to explain. What book would you recommend for a six-figure owner trying to get to that seven-figure mark? Oh, man. I, 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 it's not going to be just one. I got two. Okay, uh, From Good to Great, uh, great by Jim book. Collins, and then Masters of Sales. Okay. Uh, it, it, neither one of these are new books. But my, everything you do is sales. I mean, everything, whether you're talking to a bank, you're selling themselves on, on your credit worthiness. If you're talking to a, a vendor, if you're talking to somebody, uh, hell, if you and I had a sales pitch meeting on why we should do a podcast together. I mean, yeah. I mean everything at the end of the day is you're, you're, you're selling a story, you're selling yourself, you're selling an idea. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Okay. Um, l- next question is, do you intentionally network or mastermind with other business owners? I do, but in a roundabout way, like, you know, when I go to uh, events, uh, arts organization events, things like that, there are all, always people there. Okay. I used to go to more conferences. I don't so much. So I can focus more on family and, and yeah. uh, building my other businesses up. Sure. Um, but yeah, but going out to arts organization events, going out to openings of places, that's where I run into people and I'm introduced to people and I introduce other people. And that's the best thing, you know, the best thing about networking is getting to introduce other people to other people. That's right. Ser- serving them, you know, uh, that's, the, that's the best way to great, build a great network is to, to help other people network. Yeah. It, 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 you become the connector really at that point. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, as an introvert myself, it, it, that's difficult, <laughs> but, um, but exactly. You're right. The, the value of that is, is huge because now, now you become the guy, maybe not the guy for the solution, but the guy to, who knows a guy for the solution. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you, you become known. I think that we can all agree that becoming known in whatever business that you're in is obviously going to be beneficial. So, um, very good. Last question. Ready? Okay. If you lost it all, there was no more wireless business. In fact, Wi-Fi went away. Mm. <laughs> no more internet. I don't know. Uh, if all if it all went away, you lost it all. What do you do? What do you do? What what, what would you do? Honestly, if you know, to make a living, I'd probably go back to bartending because okay. it, it's never boring. Every day is different. You don't have any take home work. You know, you don't have any stuff to do. Are, are you addicted still to the two hundred dollars a day? <laughs> you know, I like meeting people. I, I, I honestly, I like meeting new people, learning about them. You know, I, I think I'd go to a place where it's more tourist driven, like go go to Key West or something like that, because you meet people from all around the world. And that's you know, I just I never met a stranger. I just yeah. I just enjoy talking to people and and learning about them. So. That's awesome, man. Well, we definitely appreciate you being on the show. You've, you've added uh, value to uh, our day, our businesses. Um, all of that's been incredible. Thank you for, for being here. Um, and then obviously, you've got several projects and I know one a little bit newer than the other. Um, so we wish you best of luck and all that. If, if someone wanted to connect with you or someone wanted to get your book or entertain a, a conversation with you around uh, any of the things that we've brought up today, how would they, how would they reach out to you? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. My handle is Henry Indy, I-N-D-Y. 
Um, the web, uh, the, the website for my book is the remote There's a contact form there or hit me up on LinkedIn. There you go. Yeah. I think the, the remote work piece obviously is just so big and, and so great. So thank you for serving the, the whole world, really the whole marketplace uh, in that way. Um, I, I think that pretty much all of us could relate to a degree of, of that uh, separation and, and uh, burnout, all the stuff that you mentioned um, that, that's in the book. So I'm sure it'd be a great book to pick up. Henry, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for being on the King stage and uh, we wish you best of luck, all right? Hey, thank you, Chaz. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.